When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lund alongside Al Renato, a.k.a. as New York sports radio fans know him, the great Alan White Plains, and this is New Report, Old Report. Here on Monday, November 19th from 8 to 9 Eastern Time, live on Sports Radio America. If you missed the live show, you can catch the replay all week, also at 8 p.m. Eastern, or find the show as bonus content under the Bridge Sports Podcast, which you can find by searching for the Bridge Sports Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, really wherever you get your podcasts, as well as at LondonBridge.com. If you want to interact with the show, you can text in a question, comment, or complaint to 929-274-3437, or if you're brave enough, leave a voicemail with the same, and we'll play what you have to say on air again by calling 929-274-3437. This week, it's week 11 in the National Football League, and time to put at least two teams in the graveyard. Week 12 action in college football and the latest in the college football playoffs. And if we should be excited about both yet, we'll also recap our picks in this week's six-pack and more. Check your sources. We're off. Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. Well, Al, surprisingly enough, another exciting week of athletics. To some. (laughs) It actually wasn't the best of weeks for college football as far as the excitement goes. The NFL found itself being more like a, a March Madness type in some of its finishes, so that at least brought some excitement and joy to some fans, sorrow to others, as some teams have shown what I beg to be their true colors, that it's probably not going to be in the cards this year. Your team, however, down in the dumps, a new quarterback, a rookie at the helm, how would we look? They look pretty damn good with Lamar Jackson under center. My team, the Denver Broncos, faced the Chargers team that finally looked like those San Diego Phillip Rivers Chargers of the past several years. But overall in the NFL, it it still has that taste that there's those couple teams that are still going to be at the top of the heap when all is said and done. Johnny, always great to be with you as we head towards Thanksgiving uh, coming up this Thursday and an even bigger football feast on both the college and pro front. It's a mosh pit. It really is. I mean, you described it. We've got the elite. We've got a class of the league in New Orleans who mauled the defending champs. We'll get to that in a few minutes. Uh, We've got Kansas City and the Rams who will go at it tomorrow night in what hopefully will be a terrific Monday night game. And then we've got everybody else either fighting for their playoff lives or out of it. Three games today ended with kicks at the gun. All three kicks being good. Uh, your Broncos nipping the Chargers, who were in control of that game at 19-7. Big Phil Rivers interception uh, turns the game around on the verge of being 26-7. Josh Rosen throws uh, for three touchdown passes, but the Raiders come back, and they win it at the gun. And the Cowboys, in a back-and-forth game, really put a poison pill uh, in Atlanta's season. 
you could make a pretty strong argument now that that could well be it for the Falcons uh, with a brutal loss today uh, at the gun, field goal that barely sneaks in the run up right, right upright, uh, and the Cowboys uh, come with another big win off the Eagle win last week, uh, win again today, and uh, are in great shape in the NFC East. And in my team, Joe Flacco out, hip injury, Heisman Trophy winner and first-round draft pick, but they traded up for gets his first start. Becomes the first quarterback since Kaepernick to rush for over 100 yards through a terrible interception, but played pretty well. And basically, the Ravens win by playing ground and pound. They rush for over 250 yards, I believe. And once again, the greatest kicker in the sport, and maybe the greatest kicker of all time. I go back to Jan Stenner. Uh, this kid is just absolutely unbelievable 56 yarder today three for three uh, you know the extra points uh kicks the chippy that wins it but the real reason they won that game is aj green who uh was a, a game time decision could not go with the toe injury uh, the ravens have never been able to stop aj green three touchdown passes their first meeting this year uh, that's the real reason the ravens were able to win this game is that aj green did not play for the Bengals, but the Ravens get to five and five. They're back in the playoff hunt in a mishmash of the AFC. And, uh, you know, once again, as, as you said, we see that there are no real true colors. The true colors are, I am average. Uh, the Titans take the Patriots apart last week and Andrew Luck obliterates them uh, in the Hoosier Dome this week. Uh, their Heisman Trophy winning quarterback out again with that elbow injury. Uh, so you know, who knows what the t- Titans are or are not. Right now it looks like they are not a playoff team. Uh, the Jags find a way to lose again in control against Pittsburgh, 16 to nothing the entire game. And lo and behold, uh, Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> takes them down the field twice, uh, rumbles in. And I'm going to ask you this because I don't know the answer. Did they have any timeouts left when he stumbled in barely getting across the goal line with just a couple seconds to go or would the clock have run out if he did not make it? They did have one timeout and Tony Romo, who had the game for CBS with his cohort Jim Nance, was screaming almost for them to run the football with eight seconds to go. You still have a timeout. Obviously, Big Ben having one of the most horrific passing days he's had, and we've seen him have a couple blunders throughout his career, those five interception-esque games that are a blip on the radar here and there in the regular season. Today was one of those days. He lucked out with a couple penalties that took a couple away from from the Jaguars. I don't Including understand. Including what would have been the game clincher. Uh, but he, I mean, he clearly he almost took the guy's head off. Right. They were uh, they the were holding and throwing and doing whatever they which, could. which is the, which is the right move. Right. Exactly. You, What's the worst? Well, thing when the ball's in the one yard, you, you hold on every play. All they can do is keep moving it closer and keep holding, keep tackling guys uh, until you know they finally decide to maybe run the football, which they did and, and barely got it. But the Steelers roll on that six in a row for them, uh, along with the quarterback who I said let's see him do it. Well, that's now six in a row. Uh, for or is it seven in a row? I, I lose count. How many rows that for Houston? Six or seven? I think it's seven. I think they they went zero and two, and then they've won out since. 
Or, or were they 0-3 and now they're 7-3? Right, 0-3 and, and they're 7-3, and three, right. right. And now they're 7-3. and three. They beat the Redskins in uh, a, a brutal game for the Redskins. Uh, they were way down. They come back, take the lead. But more importantly, besides the fact that they lost the game, as Houston comes from behind uh, to beat them, is that they lost their quarterback, Alex Smith, 35 years ago to date, to, to the day of Joe Theismann's excuse me, 33 years ago, 1985, 33 years ago to the day of Joe Theismann's awful injury on Monday Night Football at the hands of the Giants. Uh, Lo and behold, another Redskin quarterback has a terrible and similar injury as he breaks his tibia and fibia on a sack. Uh, I believe may be undergoing surgery already. I'm not sure about that, but surgery is, if it hasn't happened, it will. Uh, and he, of course, is gone for the season. Uh, I won't watch the replay of that uh, because uh, I've, I've seen the Theismann replay live and enough times that I don't need to see anything like that again. So you feel terrible for Alex Smith. Uh, and that Redskin loss throws the NFC East into even more uh, of a up-for-grabs division race. Only one team obviously going to get in from there, it looks like. Uh, but Dallas, another win, so they're right in the mix. And you can even make the argument that the Giants at 3-7 and seven are even in the mix because 9-7 and seven is going to win that division. And in attendance for that Redskins game, Joe Theismann. If, oh, Alex, right. if Alex Smith looked up into the luxury boxes and saw him there and knew of the anniversary, he should have told him to leave. Get out. <laughs> that's, not, that's not good juju. We don't need that. And one of the most unfortunate injuries. Hopefully he'll be able to come back from that, but that's a long road ahead, especially when it's the two bones. Not to say that one would be better, but as soon as it happened, it was one of those ones you just knew it was going to be bad, and he knew it as well. So unfortunate for the Redskins. And then they bring out Colt McCoy. They don't have another backup on their roster aside from other players like Jordan Reed, who quarterbacked in high school. They got him running all over the field. <laughs> I mean, a lot of that, I'm sure, is Colt McCoy. That's just how he is as a player. He's going to do whatever he needs to get this win. But I'm sure the other Gruden is probably thinking, can you relax a little bit? If you go down, that's it. Yeah, he's holding his breath pretty much on every move because where are we going from here? Uh, well, remember, Nathan Peterman did get a, a, a tryout earlier in the week with the Lions. God knows why. But, uh, you know, you could see him. Uh, I, I would think the Redskins. Uh, did the Lions sign him during the week? Because if they didn't. I would think the Redskins are probably going to give him a look. I don't think they did. I don't think they did. Well, I, I know they tried them out. Because certainly understand why. Yeah. But you would think that the Redskins uh, you know, were probably going to give him a look because there'd be a logical choice. Just uh, more moves they need, they that need more moves that help the Colin Kaepernick against the NFL case as all this goes on and other quarterbacks continue to get signed. Just more fuel to the fire as as the Twitter jokes continue to flow and stuff like that happens. I'll say this. I think this is episode 15. We're in week 11 of the National Football League. It's about that time to start putting teams in the graveyard. Whether they burn you in the wallet or they burn you in just where you think they should be up to this point in the season, the first team for me that I'm putting in my graveyard is the Jacksonville Jaguars, who put all their eggs into Blake Bortles, who thought that this defense was going to be enough to carry them to the promised land. Little do they know that the only time we've really seen that work 
at least in the past couple decades, is if you happen to have Peyton Manning behind your line, not Blake Bortles. I understand their running game is superb when healthy. They were avoiding Blake Bortles like the plague today in their offensive schemes. I don't, I don't remember how long it took for them to throw the ball in the game, but the numbers were appalling. And when people took a step back on social media and just looked at how long it took for them to throw and how much they were doing in the passing game, it's not a good look to not have any confidence in your quarterback. And it showed when they needed it to. I believe it was the last five offensive possessions for the Jacksonville Jaguars, minus three yards. The Pittsburgh Steelers handed them that game on a Thanksgiving platter to use a terrible joke for this week, and they couldn't do anything with it because the, the offense just couldn't find its footing. They couldn't get anything going. I understand there's been a couple injuries, but that's it. I'm out. They're done for me. They're in the graveyard. It's over for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, of course, other teams can be in the graveyard, awful teams. Like, obviously, the Bucks are done, the Giants, etc. But this was a team that was coming into the season as a supposed contender, and it's gone... 100% in the opposite direction. Incredibly disappointing for them. At this moment, I'm out. This was a team that had Super Bowl aspirations. And the question was, are they, are they going to stick with Blake Bortles as their quarterback, who had a very good postseason last year, destroyed the Steelers, uh, had the pants that looks like it looked like beat. And that famed last drive that they talk about, the team did not supposedly the Soothsayers uh, all thought that the decision was based upon the fact that they did not have enough confidence in Blake Bortles to throw the ball in that last trip, that last possession. So as a result, they get conservative uh, and they lose that game to New England where they played very, very well. Uh, and as a result, they go home. They don't make a move at the quarterback position. They get off to a great start. Uh, and then lo and behold, they haven't won since. Since that great start, they've had some terrible losses where they've gotten smoked. They've had some losses like today where there were games they should have won. So it's been pretty much a, a little bit of everything, which is usually the case when things go wrong. Uh, you get smoked in some, you lose some that you should have won, you give some away, and as a result, they are distancing, distancing themselves uh, from any playoff hopes whatsoever, as are the defending champs who I would say at four and six are in huge trouble. And I mean huge trouble, throttled today by the Saints who are blowing everybody out of their building, uh, 45 to seven, never really a game. And this defense has not been able to stop anybody. They could not stop Dallas last week when it really mattered. They gave away two huge games early in the season with their young quarterback trying to make plays uh, in games against Carolina uh, that they had under control. The Tennessee game was one, and they gave that game away three to four different times, uh, fourth and long, fourth and long, fourth and long, uh, turnover. And as a result, they're at four and six and in dire straits uh, in the NFC East. And uh, you could make the argument that uh, you could say sayonara to uh, the Philadelphia Eagles as well. I would put them at the gate at this point for me. They're at the gate looking in. 
chatting with the coroner a little bit. They haven't met the guy that digs the graves. Just because that division is still up in the air with the Redskins now having to go to a backup and in panic mode for who's going to be their quarterback the rest of the way at 6-4. and four. Dallas with a win now to 5-5 five and five over right a team that I'm ready to put also as number two in my graveyard for 2018 in the Atlanta Falcons. Here's the thing for Dallas. And a friend of mine is a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. Friend of the show, Jeremy White, who we know from Foul Nation. Also a huge Cowboys fan. And I bust them both and say, nothing good is going to come to the Dallas Cowboys while Jerry Jones has that team in his clutches. It's just not going to happen. The best thing that could happen for them is for the wheels to just keep, in, in my opinion, is for the wheels to keep falling apart for them to get rid of Jason Garrett, for them to start from scratch, to find somebody that can make this Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott experiment explode. Well, Today it looked good, though. Do you, let's back up for a second. Why do you think it's an experiment? He's one of the best running backs. Do we agree he's one of the best running backs in the sport? Oh, 100%. Top three, top five, if you they have, that. If not the best anymore, clearly, and let's call it a, a very solid bordering on excellent offensive line. Right. Not as so good as it is, was, is, but is, still, is your, still is your, great. Is your position that the experiment is the quarterback? Yes. When you say this experiment. If I had to pick one of the three for it to be the experiment, it would be the quarterback. And I, I only use the word experiment just because they're both still so young and sort of unproven in a sense because of last season being such a downswing from their first season and as we've seen throughout the National Football League, from year to year, sometimes you just never know what's going to happen. So that, that's, the, that's the thing. You know, in this league, unlike any other sport in my mind, unless you're great, we've talked about this so many times, there's only 16 of these. The NBA, you've got 82. Major League Baseball, you've got 162. There's ups and downs, and it's just a – I say this from a compliment. It's a never-ending ordeal. It seems like it is perpetual. The NFL is over in the blink of an eye. And on that note, we will get to my really bone-to-pick of the day in a minute. But you can have seasons that – Again, bounce of a ball, turnover here, bad coaching decision, you know, and, and instead of, you know, 10 and 6 or 6 and 10. And what over greatness overcomes that. Goodness doesn't. You can be good and be have a 6 and 10 season. So what do we got with Dak Prescott? Well, he, he had a terrific rookie year when the offensive line was great, when he had some weapons. A veteran tight end was his go-to guy, a wide receiver who's no longer there, who was a nut job, a whack job, but a pretty good talent. Not a great player, but a really good player. And a defense that was okay. Well, you know, he lost the running back for a good chunk of last year. The wide receiver did not have a very good year. The defense wasn't nearly as good. And he wasn't nearly as good. 
So now we're at the next level, the next step for Dak, Dak Prescott. And where is he lower behold right smack? He's five and five. You know, he's not right. going to go six and ten in all probability. He's not going to go 13 and three. We know that already. So where is he going to go? How good? We know he's not great. And he's never going to be great. Is he going to be an average NFL quarterback? Is he going to be a good NFL quarterback? Or is he going to be a really good NFL quarterback? That's really, in your question, that's, that's the experiment. Right. What level is Dak Prescott going to be able to reach? How much higher can he go? Because he's not below average. You know, he's gonna, he, he, we know he can be average. And you can win with average. You know, I mean, you go to the playoffs and play Bortles. Right. So, and, and we know he's not even average. Right. So you, you can win with average quarterback play that doesn't make mistakes. So we know he can be that. Not going to look him to carry a team. But can he be a guy who makes enough plays and is a good enough thrower to make those big-time throws in those, I have to use the term, those small NFL windows? that he can take teams to playoff wins in big spots in somebody else's building. Can he do that? Right. Jury's out. So if that's your experiment, I agree it's an experiment. And And it's still in the lab. Right, exactly. It's too early to give up on it. I mean, hell, at this point, Dak and Zeke are going out there like they're in the backyard. And just taking over games to get wins on certain weeks. Zeke, again, with another 200-plus overall game, literally carrying them to victory. Well, but, but the other aspect of it is, isn't it about time? That's what, if he's at the level that we want to put him on as one of the handful of best backs in the league, that's what you're supposed to do. You know, it, you don't carry the ball 12, 13 times if you're that good. You, you carry the ball 25 times. You know, you carry the ball 30 times. You get 30, 35 touches between carrying it and catching it. You have a short shelf life if that's the case and you're going to get one. I mean, the great ones did not. The great ones played for a long time. The average ones to above average, maybe they had short shelf lives. The great ones, part of being great is being able to deal with the wear and tear. Having 30, 35 touches a game. It's harder now because there's 16 games, of course. But it's also not as hard because you can't get hit the way you used to. So it's a little easier to play offense. Can't do the kind of things to you that they did not so many years ago, and certainly a lot of years ago. So he should be getting the ball that many times because he's far and away their best player and their best weapon. And he should be carrying them. That's his job. Right. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. To me, if I had to point a finger, which is what we do when we talk about the National Football League, if there's a way to solve this hypothesis... To me, it's Jason Garrett. To me, that's what will get you above the hump that you haven't been able to get over, even with Tony Romo as your quarterback and with 
great wide receivers for him to throw to and with a great defense. I don't think after all these years, eight or nine seasons, however long it's been now with Jason Garrett, something's going to click on and they're going to be able to figure this out. We even saw it today against the Falcons. They're trying to get a victory, and you can just tell toward the end of the game it got into the situation where it was, they're playing for the field goal. Here we go. It's going to come down to this kicker. And we've seen that happen with that conservative play calling time and time and again with the Dallas Cowboys. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. My point is for them, and again, there's still more games to be played, so this can definitely happen, but you keep winning these games like this. Jerry gets a little bit more excited. He, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe. maybe. I, I just don't think it this, has to get I, ugly for them to move on from Jason. I don't want this to sound the wrong way, and that this is John Tinyland's Al Renato and Gale from White Plains uh, coming in on a Sunday night where the Vikings and the Bears are going at it. Another NFL weekend, and I don't want this to sound the come out the wrong way but we've talked about them being average how many coaches in the nfl do we not question he is an average coach i think he for, let's say, i think he's a really good guy not that that wins you anything i like jason garrett there's some guys i don't like not that that speaks at all to the caliber of their coach yeah i could coaches. agree with that but i think jason garrett's a good guy I think he is a mediocre coach. I don't think he's a bad coach. I don't think he's, he's a real good coach. I think he's an okay coach. Have they lost games because uh, of Jason Garrett's decisions that I have questioned? Absolutely. Play calling, clock manager. But I also think Jason Garrett has the ability to manage a very, I don't want to say difficult because you know, you've got a lot of work, got a lot to work with um, in, in terms of you know what the, what the, Owner will go out and get you. Uh, you went out and got the wide receiver, made the trade, uh, and, and brought in, uh, you know, Cooper from from Oakland to give his quarterback another weapon, uh, which they desperately needed. And he makes decisions that I absolutely question. And some of the stuff he does, I'm in a quandary over. But I can say that about just about eighty to ninety percent of the coaches in the NFL, sometimes including Bill Belichick. But you don't question anything Belichick does in terms of him ever being fired or losing his job, even when expect what we think are bad decisions, because he's got the rings to back it up. And even when he makes even when he makes a bad decision, well, you know, how do you question him? Even though we do, and, and we have the right to, and we should, because he has made some incredibly questionable decisions. And even one is when he made an incredibly questionable decision, didn't call that timeout. Uh, when you know, <laughs> he, he got one up by Seattle not running the ball on the goal line. Excuse me, but but more importantly, the, the point is he's also managed Jerry Jones, and he's dealt with Jerry Jones. And obviously, Jerry Jones likes him because Jerry Jones gives him plenty of rope. And I don't think it's because Jerry Jones thinks he can control him, or thinks that you know he can coach the team over his coach. I just think he he believe it or not, I actually think he has some respect for his coach. And lets his coach make decisions. He's clearly coaching. People always say, Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones is not coaching the team. He's coaching the team. Some of the decisions he makes you may not like. And I agree with that. And he's he's absolutely positively a mediocre coach. But I don't think the coach is the problem. I I don't think their personnel is that great. Their defense is, is average at best. They don't have a lot of playmakers on defense. 
And until they brought in Cooper, they have no playmakers on offense other than a terrific running back. Where are the playmakers? Who are they? There's got no big-time wide receivers until they brought Cooper in. None. Now we've got one. Right. I think for the fan base, it's, it's still, it's still going to be a, several more years of just being in this limbo almost of above average, mediocre, okay average type of play. And with Jerry Jones at the helm, I don't see them getting over that hump is all I'm saying about the Dallas Cowboys, which a lot of teams would kill for. So I'm not saying that it's necessarily a bad thing, but the team that they beat today, they're number two in 2018 for the John Lund graveyard in the Atlanta Falcons. They're in deep trouble. I'm done. I've written they're, them off. They're, they're, they're in deep trouble. And this They've is a team. They've lost so many close games. I didn't have money on them, so I didn't have a rooting interest in that, which that's good for them because if I did, there, there would be even more wrath. But just the, the disappointment factor, not only from the Super Bowl loss, which they'll never get over as a franchise, nor should they, losing to the Eagles by five in one of the worst-looking offensive performances you can imagine, the Eagles, of course, then go on to beat that team that they couldn't in the Super Bowl, to this year basically returning the offense, that high-flying Falcons offense that everyone has grown to know and love. The defense, of course, completely riddled with injuries, and I understand that, and that's very difficult to get out of the hole of. But you still have the offense. They're still coming onto the field. I don't know why they're not playing like the Saints are, say, offensively. They're not playing like the Chiefs are offensively. They have those same weapons, and we've seen them do as such. This was one of those games where you were just, you found yourself holding your breath like, what's taking so long? Let's go. Put something together here. You're, on, you're at home. You're against Look, the Cowboys. I'm, I'm, Let's I'm go. Not, I'm not an Atlanta fan. Uh, despite his, some of his gaudy numbers and performances, the experts think much more highly of the quarterback than I do. I think they've gone as far as they're ever going to go with that quarterback, and they got as ever they got as close as they're ever going to get to a Super Bowl championship, which they should have won. Uh, but you know, he took an untimely sack when basically all he had to do was run the ball and get what should have been a field goal to put the game away, and he didn't. And that's one he'll never live down for me. So that was bad football, bad decision making. Whether it was the head coach, whether it was the offensive quarterback or coordinator or the quarterback to me it all begins and ends with the quarterback uh because he's always got the power to change any play he wants to line of scrimmage and if that if that, that was a pass play and he didn't audible out of it i'll always blame it on him because all they have to do there is run the ball and they've got a field goal to win the super bowl yep and they had a great kicker uh, and they after the julio jones phenomenal catch on the sidelines that game should have been over but uh, they let New England hang around, put them in a position to make that sack, and it was just, in my mind, a moronic decision, and they're never going to get that close again. And I think he's a good quarterback. I will never think he's a great quarterback. In the graveyard, number two. And I want to get to 
the number two team in that same division, the Carolina Panthers. I've been very excited for your take on this. They, down by a point, elect to go for two, try to get the win. The play was not a bad play call. Should have been executed and was not. The decision to go for two, up in the air. A very ugly loss for the Carolina Panthers, who now are six and four, probably never going to catch the Saints, but still have a chance to make the playoffs. This is a game, though, if they're going to do that, you would expect them to win. Just mind-numbing. I like Ron Rivera. I think he's, a, again, a good guy. He was a terrific player for the Bears. Uh, I think he's a good coach. I'm flabbergasted by this decision. I understand their kicker missed a, a middling field goal, hit the upright, I think, from 33, 34 yards. Missed an extra point. You know, Graham Gano is a good kicker, but was struggling. I'm sorry, though. You are on the road. You're in a position to tie it with a minute to go. You've got two timeouts left. Now, remember, no matter what you do, Detroit's still got a chance to go down the field and win the game with a field goal. You kick the extra point. You kick the extra point every time unless you are one and eight. Two and seven. You have no hopes of the postseason. And you're trying to pull a rabbit out of a hat in that upset, stunning victory. I don't think we have a chance in overtime. Our quarterback's hurt. We're gassed. We don't belong on the same field with them, etc. You know, we saw it in college with Mike Gundy last week. Uh, we saw it yesterday with Maryland uh, going for the two-point conversion against Ohio State. Another guy was wide open and missed. But here, as we discussed earlier, there's 16 of these. Everyone is gold. And when you are six and three and right in the playoff race with a chance to go seven and three and really put yourself in the driver's seat, because unfortunately, no matter how good you are, there's only two wild cards. There's only two in each conference. So you got a chance to extend a game on the road against a team you are clearly better than. Remember that in Lions are three and six. They find ways to lose these games. You just got throttled last week by Pittsburgh on a Thursday night. You have a chance to rebound. You put your kicker in to tie the game and take it into overtime. And if I if I am that owner, and I don't want to sound like Jerry Jones-esque, but when my team comes home, my coach comes up to my office, and he sits across the table from me. Excuse me. He sits across the desk from me, and I hold up one finger, and I say to him, Coach, I love you. Once. Once. You get this mulligan once. Don't do it again. Not my team to coach. Not my decision to make. But it's my team. You don't put our postseason at peril with a decision like that again. And if you do, don't even think about getting on the plane. Because you'll be out of a job. And I love Ron Rivera. I think he's done a great job for that franchise. I do not understand in any way trying to win the game. You're always trying to win the game. Trying to win the game. And yeah, he was wide open. Ran a good play. Plenty of time to throw. It should have worked. It's a result-oriented league. I couldn't believe that they did it. And remember, 
They spent their second time out to do it. So they only had one left. Now, when, they, when they did that, I thought they were going to go field goal. Like, maybe go out there, and if you get the perfect look, you run whatever play you were going to pick for the two-point. If you don't have that, which it didn't look like they did, I thought they were going to kick the extra point. I'm shocked that they called the timeout and then came back out and went for two again. Just could not believe it. Could not believe it because once you don't recover the onside kick, that game is over. And instead of seven and three and really a stranglehold, a stranglehold on a wild card spot. They now are in the mix with everybody else. Well, let's take you into college football because before before we do, okay, I have one more quick one on the NFL front, and I will make it quick. And this is why I can never root for New Orleans. Thirty-eight to seven, fourth quarter. I understand it's the National Football League. It's not a participation trophy. All right? Yeah, stop them. It's not college. It's not high school. Yeah, stop them. You get paid to stop them. At 38 to 7, in your own building, in the fourth quarter, on fourth and seven, you can't punt the ball. You got to go for it on fourth and seven and throw a touchdown pass to make it 45-7 against the defending champs. Real quick, you can't real show quick, a little respect. Real quick, That's guys. why I can't stand Sean Payton. That's why I can never root for the New Orleans Saints. Real quick, Kyle. That's Bush League, <laughs> it was, it absolutely was... positively a shit show, and I don't that that that, that doesn't play for me. You're, you're missing. You're missing the point. That was great for my fantasy team, Al. That was great for my fantasy team. Alvin Kamara getting that touchdown was great for my fantasy. Oh, real life though, yeah. <laughs> real life, we're talking. I forgot. Yeah, that was uh, to put it bluntly, that was what they call in the business a dick move. There's no way around it. And I, I don't know where the, where the animosity was for it. Like, did the Eagles wrong the Saints in the past couple of years? Have we missed something that they're trying to get them back on? I couldn't think of anything. It was, it was very interesting, I, I guess is, is, is the word for it. Very interesting on, on his part and also very interesting. Guess who was in the game right till the end getting whipped? Carson Wentz. The announcers seem to think that was because they need to figure out this offense. Hey, man, there's practice for that. I don't know what that was about either. I, I understand, like, some coaches like to give you the, well, this is your bed, now lie in it type thing. Need the reps. Need I was, the reps. I was interested in, in both decisions from both coaches. It, it was, it was curious. Need the reps. It was curious. But that's why I can never root for the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, it, I root for Drew Brees. I don't, I don't root for Sean Payton. I well, don't root for Sean Payton. Yeah, Sean Payton's coaching the team, so I can't root for him. College can't football. Stand can't stand it in any sport. And to me, that just was – that, that's Jimmy Johnson against just a total and complete overmatched Notre Dame team. And I'm not a Notre Dame fan. You know, in 1983. 80, I wish we had it was 82 or 83, but it was, uh, you know, the complete pummeling era prestigions calling the game. And, you know, he, he's almost begging for Jimmy Johnson uh, to call off the dogs. Uh, it's Jerry Faust, in all probability, last game, who was just completely overmatched. 
you know, at the NCAA level, you know, after being the Akron head coach, the uh, legendary high school coach, and just he did everything he could to embarrass him. That was this today at the pro level. Fourth and seven, just punt the ball. Yeah, punt the ball. There's a need to go for why this is in the playbook for fourth and seven. Right. This is what we're doing fourth and seven in a spot when you know we've got to go for it. So this is the play we're going to try because this is the one we want to use. Well, obviously no, because you don't want to show it. So what's the purpose here? Just to embarrass the champs? Bush league. Bush as the day is long. And that's, you know, again, why I can't root for any Sean Payton team. Can't do it. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. College football's best comparison of that was potentially Mike Leach, up a thousand. Kept his uh, Heisman candidate quarterback in there to get to 69 in quite the drubbing of Arizona on Pac-12 after dark, as they say. but It was way after dark because I'm, I'm a night owl, and I fell asleep watching that. Yeah, it was. you didn't miss much. The first half was more than enough. There were more than enough points scored to know where that game was headed. We asked this this weekend on Mad Dog Sports Radio of college football because this week pretty much went shock, at least for the top, what, eight teams, West Virginia, of course, found themselves in the doghouse now with their second loss. They're done. The top four teams handled their business, maybe some more less dominantly than others. Michigan didn't look great against Indiana. Ohio State survives by the skin of its teeth, by the hair on its chinny-chin-chin, whatever other pun or phrase from the olden days we can use against Maryland in a 52-51 shootout. I we asked the question for, this. I, 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 I was, go ahead. Have you been excited, or are you excited, at this point, about college football? Well, I, I'm, first of all, asking me the question is, is there's no purpose, because I'm always excited about college football. I love college football. I loved what happened for Mike Gundy this week, last week, you know, in uh, the Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game in Bedlam. He went for two uh, for the upset, and his quarterback missed the open receiver. They lose by a point. This week, they bounce right back. They're dead in the water, it looks like, to West Virginia, who's playing to stay alive for a national title. And they come back out of nowhere, uh, pull a rabbit out of the hat, uh, take the lead, and hold off Will Greer's last-ditch uh Pass into the end zone, who took West Virginia down the field in about 20 seconds to have a last-ditch effort. Uh, so I was very happy for Mike Gundy because I like him as a head coach. He's fun. He's good for college football. Uh, Ohio State, just, I mean, their defense was pathetic against Maryland, but they find a way to get that game into overtime. And, you know, Maryland, like Mike Gundy last week, uh, they go for two. And run a great play where their receiver is even more wide open. I mean, Carolina Panther-esque wide open, and he just flat out missed them. Uh, That would have ended Ohio State's national title hopes. So now, uh, next week, in the big house, the Thanksgiving weekend, classic, always. They'll be dotting the I. 
pregame, Ohio State, Michigan, the continuation of the Jim Harbaugh revenge tour. Can he finally beat Ohio State and put them in the driver's seat? Not a lot, because they would obviously still have to win the Big Ten Conference title game. But put them in the driver's seat for the Final Four, one game away from the Final Four. Because if they beat Ohio State and you know they beat a decent Northwestern team, I would say they're in, um, unless you know you have that scenario where Georgia finds a way to barely beat Alabama right. in an incredibly tight game that would have it come down to two spots, assuming Notre Dame beats USA and Clemson wins out. Uh, then we would come down to what we talked about before, all hell breaking loose with you know, two spots for Notre Dame, one lost Georgia. I'm sorry, for Michigan, one lost Georgia, conference champion Michigan, conference champion Georgia, and non-conference champion one lost Alabama. And that, to me, would make for a total just, I mean, that is sports talk radio heaven. And here we are with the chance to talk about it if it happens. What's interesting about the Ohio State game and Michigan game, Jim Harbaugh's on his tour. Urban Meyer's also on his forget about everything that happened in this offseason. I'm a great football coach with a great football team tour. That continues after a barely a win, a, a half loss in a sense against Maryland. See, here's how I kind of view it when – we talk about excitement and how we should view this season. Some years you're going to get these, I don't want to say dominant performances from the top five or six teams, but years where they've clearly separated themselves from the pack, and I think that's what we have this year. The exciting years that you do get where the one seed loses to a 10 or a a 25 or somebody that's not even ranked and ends up with a loss. The years where you get a team that only has one loss and they lose the final game of the season. Sometimes those years, though, you, you grasp at straws a little bit when it comes to deciding who are the top 10, who are the top 25, because you have to weigh the losses, the head-to-heads, who did what against whom, how great they're playing now versus how they played in the beginning of the season. It almost comes down to you have to put teams a certain place. And I think that's the fear, at least for me, sometimes for having it a top eight in the college football playoff in that some years you might have to, like, bring a team in just because, not because they're deserving, if that makes any sense. Like, we need to put a team at number eight, and all of them have three losses, one of those. I'm scenarios. of the firm yeah. belief that I am of the firm belief that four is perfect. I had a phone conversation with Mike Trangisi, uh, the former Big East commissioner who was you know, on the committee years ago, who was kind enough to actually call me back when we had just a, a no playoff. This was 20 years ago plus, and he called me back, and I was just an old Al from White Plains. Uh, well, young not boy. quite as old as I am now, but I was old Al from White Plains. 
still was. And we had a conversation, and I said, this has got to change. You know, it's when Francesca said, we'll never have a playoff. And I suggested on the air, there's no reason we can't have four teams in the playoff, use the bowl game to semi, uh, the four major bowls where you know, two of them are the semis, one is the final, and the fourth one, you know, rotate and four rotate, but one sits out every, every year, you know, and the other three participate. And, you know, the next two best teams go, and that's almost what we wind up having. Uh, no, the finals is not one of the bowls, which I would love it if it was. I would love the Rose Bowl. But be there as it may. Mike Trinagisi called me back and we discussed at length and said, Al, I promise you, I am going to do everything I can, you know, my voice in the room, to see that we get it fixed. And eventually, we'll get it done. Take that. Four is perfect. People are going to push for eight. A lot of people want six with two guys. Four is exactly it. You want potentially you know, somebody screaming. It's great for the sport that there's a tension. I always think that for, it, it should be difficult to get in this. It should be hard. You know, I don't want teams in with three, I don't want teams with three losses even being in the mix, let alone two. I want undefeated and one loss teams in the mix. That's it and that's all. That's the final four. Those are the four. Once in a while, where you got five, or maybe even six, nice. And this year, we could have absolutely if what actually happens, and we will have a five pack, and they will all be deserving. And the question will be what do we do with Alabama? What do we do with one team that didn't win their conference? and was undefeated all year long and number one all year long. If they get blown out of the building by Georgia, in my mind, that makes it easy. But if they lose the last second field goal, a one-possession game, back-and-forth game, etc., the kind of game that they beat Georgia in the national title, then Ohio State, for a moment, and a Michigan win against Northwestern, all things being equal, Houston will then have a problem. I think it's fine if there isn't necessarily the excitement of the NCAA tournament. And that's, I think, where fans sometimes place their excitement, where they think we need that type of upset, throwing the standings in the trash because of what happened type of scenario. Some years you don't. Some years it's, it's fun to be like, these are the top four teams. Let's go out and play these games and see who's the best team in the country. Today, for this week coming up, we have that right now. And even if there's a lot of... I don't think anything's going to change that necessarily, even if a five or a six changes as the weeks move on. I think this year the teams that we have up at the top are going to stay there, and we're going to get that. Let's see who the best team is type scenario. Let's premise it on this, this you know, question and answer. Do you think Georgia can beat Alabama? And I don't mean you, know, you give them a 10% chance. You give them a you know, 
upset of, of the year. Do you think Georgia can go and play on an even, even keel with Alabama and win the SEC title and knock off the number one undefeated team in the country? For me, it wouldn't shock me, no. I think they, they have a chance. I do. Because I give them a legitimate chance. You know, I think Georgia's got a very, very good team. I told you I love this running back. I think Swift is the best running back in the country. They've got a quarterback who's got all the experience, everything he went through as a freshman, including the national title game. They've got the number one recruit in the country at the quarterback position as a change of pace who can give Alabama a different look when Kirby Smart thinks it might be to their advantage. As I said earlier in our week, I believe, 11 program, I, as much as I root for LSU and like to see them be successful, love Coach O, I think Kirby Smart made the boneheaded coaching decision of the year in the LSU-Georgia game when he went for the fake field goal with his great kicker and a chippy field goal to make it three-all instead a fake. The LSU stopped short on fourth down, and that game flipped. And after that, LSU took over. And Georgia lost the game right then and there on a coach's decision that I thought they, early on, the way they were playing, they had a chance to win. They didn't have a chance after that. They were dominated after that by LSU. And I really thought he put his team in peril by making that decision. Uh, We know he can coach against Alabama. I mean, all we have to do is point to last year's national title game where they were a possession away from winning the championship. So and it, you know, that's his old boss. Nobody knows him better than Kirby Smart. Bottom line is I think they have the talent to play with Alabama. They have the quarterback who can throw the ball down the field. They have a, a running game, uh, you know, a dual-prone running game, guys who can run inside, run outside. Hollyfield's kid, Swift. They're versatile. They're deep. Uh, they're good on both sides of the ball. I like their secondary. Can they contain Tua? It's going to make for a great SEC title game. I think they can beat them. I clearly think they're one of the five best teams in the country. Uh, to me, it would come down to, if you, if you asked me to rank the five best teams, you know, I, I would put them ahead of Michigan. I think they're better than Michigan. But Michigan's only losses to Notre Dame. Notre Dame is undefeated. Notre Dame is playing terrific. It was early in the first game of the season. Michigan is on a roll now. They're playing better and better and better. They didn't play that well this week. Uh, they beat a decent Indiana team. I, these last few weeks are going to be incredibly interesting to see how it pans out. And I think if you were to ask, has the season been exciting next week? There's a 75% to 90% chance the answer could switch to no to yes because <laughs> we're, we're getting to where the seasons really are going to be exciting for some teams. We'll give our six back and then we'll get out of here. And funny enough, when we... Do I have to give mine? When we chatted briefly before the show started, you said that we should have been prefacing the listeners that they should fade accordingly when we give these, and I've been only telling them that the entire time we've been doing this show. Those are my instructions specifically from now on. Because the AWP six-pack was clearly this week the six-pack from hell. 
quickly. Ohio State minus 14 and a half, never a chance <laughs> in an overtime one point win against Maryland and having to rally from behind the entire team. To it. I figured, okay, let me take a flyer on fading the worst team in the Power Five. Right. right? Rutgers, hideous. They never cover. Uh, I think that they covered against Michigan. They lost 42 to 7. Well, I'm not looking for that. Just Penn State minus 27 and a half. I figured that you know, that's 35 to 3, 42 to 7. Never in doubt. Never had a chance. 20 to 7. Never close to covering this one. And then lo and behold, you know, I, I played with the heart. I took Syracuse plus the 10 and a half. Lost two games by two possessions in overtime against Pitt. Only team in the country to play with Clemson. Losing the last possession. They got manhandled yeah. by Notre Dame. Embarrassed. Men playing with boys, 0-3 in college. Today in the league where they play for pay, more of the same. Carolina minus four, never a chance except when it was 7-0. Outright loser because of the extra point situation. A push with the Giants who are up in, in complete control and then have to hang on against the hideous <laughs> Famous Jameis coming in Famous Jameis. I figured Tampa out. Whoever you start him, just start him for a, a one possession and get him out of the game before they turn it over five times. Go to the other guy right. before uh, the first guy loses <laughs> the game. The second guy always plays great. Get him in earlier. You know, you know what you do if you go with if you're the Bucks, do with do exactly with what your baseball team does. Go with an opener. Right. Go with an opener for one possession and then go to your go to your other guy and you maybe have a chance to win some games. So the Giants, they get a push. And tonight I'm getting my head handed to me as you know, the most overpaid player in all the National Football League, Kirk Cousins, is throwing up another stinker. And the Vikings are getting throttled, uh, plus two and a half uh, against the Bears. That one looks like it has no shot. So, uh, barring a major comeback, 0-5-1 for <laughs> AWP on the six-pack from hell. Mine started with the Citadel. Plus, plus 54 and a half, and damn it, they covered. <laughs> they covered. It got a little iffy at the end, but they were able to hold on. I went with the typical Clemson bet because I've been riding them all season, and I couldn't stop now. 28, and if my math was right, I think they cover. I think that was a push, if I did the math correctly. Because no, you didn't. 35 to six. 35 to six. You're right. I, I got it. We're okay. <laughs> that shook was the, my head. I shook my head on that one. Well, and you were down down six nothing. Yeah. Miss an extra point. And then and then they decided both teams after the first half. All right, that's enough scoring for the day. I I was very weary of that when I texted it to you. I said I hated it, and it didn't make a difference because for whatever reason Duke disappeared after the first half, and they weren't even there really in the first half to begin with. Boston College, that was an ACC. Let me uh, give a little flyer on one of the teams that we cover, a team that the ACC was excited about until they had to play Notre Dame. They had the pomp and circumstance with college game day. Everything's going for them. They couldn't beat Florida State. Oh, God. And a point and a half. I mean, you're basically saying win the game by a field goal, we're okay. Couldn't do that. Couldn't do it. Ugly loss. Ugly loss. Also went with the Panthers. 
I, I have no answers for that one for either of us now looking back at it. Terrible. I was, I was pulling for, I was trying to tell my girlfriend how this was going to work because she was wondering why I was rooting for certain things to happen. I'm like, no, we, we need to root for, they have to tie this game now. They can't go for two. This, this is terrible. They need to tie it with an extra point. They need to go to overtime. Then they need to score a touchdown and win it that way. Exactly. Be, exactly. <laughs> it didn't happen. Didn't happen, but I mean, ugly loss regardless of where you have your money on. I went with the Bears tonight, and then for whatever reason, in the first time in new report, old report history, and this is my fault for sending you this pick late in the evening at like 1.30 Eastern time, winding down after a shift on Mad Dog Sports Radio and not in the right mind, I go and take a Monday night football game. What benefit does that serve us? It's the best best game on the board. Yes, but but what a stupid... We can't talk about that until next week. Chiefs plus three, by the way. I think they're better than... But it it could be one of our main points of of contention next week. It could be the main topic of conversation. I think it will be. If it's a barber. We could be talking about where we think those two teams now rate in, in their Super Bowl chances. It's the principle of the thing. What am I doing? So well, <laughs> That's on me. I mean, both of us taking Sunday night games, too. But I did it first. What an idiot. It doesn't matter. Uh, we'll do better next week. At I, least we look, hope I, so. I suppose I could do worse. I could go on six. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to go all five and one. When I did the a couple weeks ago when I had my best week, I think, ever, I told everybody, write it down because it will never happen again. As we say every week, fade accordingly. Al, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Enjoy the football games that specific day. Looking forward to recapping everything again next week. As always, it's a pleasure to chat sports with all you. All our listeners, again. and Johnny, same to you and all your family. We want to thank all our listeners and followers. Everybody have a tremendous holiday weekend with their families and rooting for all their teams. Eat a lot of turkey, eat a lot of mashed potatoes, but save some for me. Uh, until next time for John Tiny on, I am Al Renato. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We'll be back next Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening. <laughs> <laughs>